Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And while this may be the feature length episode, as far as the length of a normal episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, this is another one of those Tuesday bonus episodes. In fact, I wanted to share with you a conversation that I just recently had with my friend, Sarah Anna Powers, who is a brand new speaker to the Free the Dream stage coming up this September 13th through the 15th, Franklin, Tennessee, Free the Dream 2019. Sarah Anna Powers is an amazing woman, and I wanted to at least introduce you to who she is, give you a feel for the just the type of person that she is and how she shows up in the world. Now, what you're about ready to hear is an unplanned, as far as we didn't think ahead of time, oh my gosh, exactly what are we going to talk about in this podcast interview? This is just a conversation between two friends so that you could be introduced to who she is, and at the very end of our conversation together, Sarah will give you a just a little hint at the type of of content that she will be sharing from the Free the Dream stage this year. Because Sarah and I love to chat, (laughs) our conversation alone was 58 and a half minutes in length. So without any further ado, here is that conversation that I had with Sarah Anna Powers. Sarah Anna Powers, I am so delighted to have you on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this interview for so long. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am excited to have you here. And of course, you're a part of what is now, I think, is going to be an infamous list of speakers for Free the Dream. I love it because when I announced Free the Dream 2018 last year, I had so many people, Cliff, I would love to speak at your event. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do you do? Because I, I already had in my mind who I knew exactly who I wanted to speak at Free the Dream 2018. And they were my mentors and, and just, you know, th- very influential people, people I knew that would just bring it and stuff like that. And I was not expecting the number of people in my community that says, Cliff, I'd love to speak at your event. And what was very interesting to me is of the list of speakers, of of people within my community who said, Cliff, I'd love to speak at your event. It was interesting because I did not accept any of them for last year's event because I had mm-hmm. already decided who was going to speak. Right? But the the funny thing is, is I'd say at least 15 people said, Cliff, I'd really love to speak at your event. You're the only one that actually signed up and, and bought a ticket and came to Free the Dream last year. And came VIP, no less. And came VIP. <laughs> and And by the way, I just want to set the record straight. That is not why you have been invited to speak at Free the Dream this year because nobody can buy their way onto the Free the Dream stage. But it, it, it it did communicate something about you that said, hey, this isn't just about my ego at stake here. I'm not only interested in coming and being a part of this Free the Dream experience and community only if I have the opportunity to speak on stage. And that communicated something that I already knew about you. You're a giving person and you're a person also who values the experience of live events and what you can learn. No matter how far ahead you are in your journey in certain areas, there's always, I I love your commitment to education and connection with others. It's huge because, you know, if we look at, I know we share a mentor in Dan Miller, when Dan goes to people's conferences and he is, I think he's 70 now, right? Like he has had a very successful business for decades. He sits there, he pays attention, he takes notes. And all of the people who are leaders in this industry that I know that I follow 
not a single one of them thinks that they're above continuing to sharpen their craft and continuing to learn from other people. And it's that, you know, it's when you ever get to the point where you feel like you know it all that you're kind of (laughs) doomed. That's exactly right. And that is something that I've learned from Dan Miller certainly is, is one of those individuals. Matter of fact, I was... We, I think you were at Social Media Marketing World as well, mm-hmm, and yes. I, I spoke in so in San Diego. And here's the thing: Dan has seen me speak nine, ten times, and so <laughs> I'm still shocked when there's all these other opportunities for him to attend other sessions. When my session is going on, Dan still shows up and and, and he sits in the back of the room and and takes notes. And he sent me an email the week after he got back from San Diego and says, hey, Cliff, I just wanted to thank you so much for your talk and just want you to know this one thing that you said has resonated with me. I wrote it down in my notebook and I just wanted to say thank you for this new distinction. I've heard you talk so many times, but I just wanted you to know this this time you said something unique that I had not heard before and it resonated with me. And, and hopefully maybe you'll emphasize that even more when giving this talk again, because it really had a profound impact. And I'm like, how awesome is that? So good. It's so good, but it's true because, you know, you can think about it even in like the context of movies that maybe you watched a movie when you were like 13 and then you go back and watch it when you're 30 and you're like, whoa, that is a totally different movie. You know, we all shift and grow, hopefully. And so things are different things will resonate, even if you're listening to the basically the same talk. You know, things will hit you differently at different stages of your life and business. Yeah. And in fact, I was thinking about this this time last year. No, okay, I'd have to rewind. So if this time last year would have been 12 months ago, that's how awesome I am at math, by the way. Um, <laughs> 12 months ago. <laughs> so, so, but if I go back, let's just say 15 months ago, mm-hmm. I'm sort of freaking out a little bit, all right? Okay. Because I had already decided who was speaking at Free the Dream and I knew it was mm-hmm. a two and a half day event and, you know, with long days. And the thing is, is that I knew I was giving seven talks at Free the that's Dream. That's a lot. Yeah, and and the thing is, is like, what am I going to, you know, it's like, I'm like, what am I going to deliver that's going to capture people's attention for that many talks? And and here's the thing. I knew in my heart that it was going to be a total no-brainer because I'd done workshops. You know, I've done one and a half day workshops from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. where it's just me, you know, yes. and so I know I could do it. But for for whatever reason, I, I guess I had in my head that this is a conference and it's and it's different and I don't know what I had going on. But I was kind of flipping out a little bit. And what got me was I just remembered I will immerse myself in the study of whatever it is that I want. And that's a quote mm-hmm. from Tony Robbins. And I know what I wanted. I wanted people to experience the life transformational message about all beliefs have consequences. And where do your beliefs come from? How do you how how do you gain an understanding of why it is that you keep doing the things that you're doing now? It's not only your beliefs, but there's also these human needs that we all have for connection and love and variety and significance and and contribution and growth. And you and if you don't understand why the things you're trying to stop doing as far as bad behaviors, if you don't understand that. So I had all of these things that I have I had learned from Tony Robbins, from Jim Rohn, from, from all these powerful people that have spoken into my life. I'm like, how do I communicate all this? And so one of the things that, and this is all tying into what you just said, it's like you hear things over and over again and you hear something different each time. So one of the things that I decided to do, I'm going to go to the gym every day and at the time, I was going to the gym between one to get this, one to three hours per day, six days a week. And I, I've, I've done that before, not for the healthy reasons that you did it, <laughs> but I've definitely done that. <laughs> well, I, w- I was there just because, you know, I'm addicted to, to all of the endorphins and, and all that stuff that happens there. And it was an opportunity for me to be un distracted listening to audio programs. So there's this program from Tony Robbins called Creating Lasting Change. It's a 10-day mm-hmm. audio program. And then there's uh, there's this program called Personal Power 2, 30-day program. Mm-hmm. I And then there is a program that I have from Tony Robbins called, it's called Unleash the Power Within, which is a, it's an old Nightingale Conant 
recording oh of various sessions from a Unleash the Power Within that Tony Robbins did, which is his major event that he still does. I've been to right. it twice. But this is a version from back when he was married to his wife, Becky, at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. This is like probably 15, 20 years ago or something like that. And he was very, Tony Robbins, very outspoken about his Christian faith in Jesus Christ. Really? Yes. I knew that he professed Christianity, but I've actually never heard him. I mean, I just knew it because I've seen other people write about that. But I've I, now admittedly, like I respect him. I haven't really followed him very closely, um, but I hadn't ever heard him talk about that. Yeah, th- it, I have the UPW program from Nightingale Kona. And it's I mean, I, I, I had thought about because there are so many people that it's like, Cliff, I, I, I don't understand why you follow Tony Robbins. I can't stand him, blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's just that, you know, there's so many things that he... It, that that make you question certain things, some of his new age things that he is very bought into and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to judge anyone. But the thing is, is I can't begin to tell you the number of things that are true and they're true because God made them true. And I learned them from Tony Robbins to understand how God made me. And I'm regardless of who Tony is, God has used him in an incredibly powerful way for me to, number one, truly discover my real identity in Christ, to embrace it, and to live it fully. And yeah. oh, so good. And I believe it's it's because of of who he's been made to be that does it. Anyway, so the whole thing is is that uh, one of the things that I had done is I listened to all 10 days worth of programming, which is, let's just say 10 hours. So I would listen to all of Creating Lasting Change in one and a half days. And then I would listen to all of Personal Power 2 within the next seven to 10 days. And then Uh I would listen to all of UPW and I'd start over. And Uh I literally listened to that month after month after month until when I got up on stage, I could, if I wanted to, I could recite those three audio programs by memory. Yeah. Except for the fact that unique thing is, is that I say that, but every single time, and I'm, and I'm going through them again right now. Mm-hmm. Every time I listen to them, I hear things that I didn't, I, that I swear I didn't hear before. And I've listened to them 30, 40 times in a row. I mean, to me, that's like reading the Bible. So I first read through the Bible, start to finish when I was, I have the dates in my Bible. I did a chapter a day you know, many days it was just like trying to keep my eyes open to get through like how many, how many cubits was this building that they're talking about in, you know, Deuteronomy. (laughs) But I, but I, I literally have read the Bible start, start to finish. And to this day, you know, I get up, I don't read a chapter a day, but I use something called the write the word journal and I write out verses. It gives you a couple of verses and I write them out in longhand. And there are days cliff that I'm like, wait, the Bible says this? What? <laughs> I've This is mind blowing, like earth shattering as all the years, I, I'll be 40 in April. Okay. And all the decades that I've spent in church, you know, Sundays, Wednesdays, Sunday nights, youth groups, Bible, st- Bible studies. And I still can look at a passage and, and feel like I'm reading it for the very first time. Yeah. And I think that is, that is a God gift that it's not just the words. It's the way that God allows you to see the words or hear the words or experience a particular relationship in your life that changes over time, that gives you new insights. Yeah. And and the thing is, is there, sometimes we have blinders on that don't allow us to see things. Mm. We, we, our perspective in life, the things that we're focused on right now, our mindset is so set on this that all we see is the color red. I remember this this exercise where uh, the guy in the front of the room says, listen, look look everywhere around you. In, in just a moment, look everywhere. I want you to tell me everything that you can find that's red. And so he gives them a few moments to look for everything that's red, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now, do keep your eyes on me. Tell me everything in the room that's blue. And the reality is nobody can think of anything that's blue because all they did was they were looking for red. But he mm-hmm. says, now look and see if you can see anything blue. And blue's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, it was always there, <laughs> but you weren't 
looking for it. You were so focused on what your thing is. And it, and it reminds me of just a, just a crazy thing in Scripture. Do you know that the Scripture says in 1 Timothy, it says that we should put our hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment, Wow. And we don't talk about that a whole lot in the church, do we? No. Do you want to know? Because do you know what that scripture is actually directly um, uh, connected to? It says, do uh, command that rich people do not put their faith in their their hope in their wealth. So we focus on that. You know, com- yeah. it says command those who are rich to not put their hope in their to their wealth, which is so right. uncertain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Which, by the way, because of our our messed up belief systems about money and all this other stuff, we think that that's saying, you know what, whatever you do, just avoid being wealthy. And you're- don't don't you dare get rich like that is your recipe for doom and disaster. And I look at this and I and, and from a whole gosh, I've had such a major mindset shift on on building wealth and providing uh, being able to provide financially for my family, having margin, uh, being mm-hmm. able to give freely and generously to mm-hmm. others. So now when I see that, it's like command those who are wealthy. It's like, wait a second, that, that's a command for me. I'm wealthy. And mm-hmm. and and I don't see this as don't get wealthy. I see it's like, hey, if you're wealthy, don't put your hope in your wealth. Yes. It, it, it's like, listen, that it's great that you're wealthy, but don't put your hope there. All right. Mm-hmm. Make sure that if you are rich, which he's saying, command those who are rich. I, if you are rich, then understand this. It is God who richly provides. It is God is the one who provides you with all things, everything. Full, and, and that's the thing. We don't even see the God provides everything for your enjoyment. We don't this 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 it is like a completely different view of God. It's like God's up there wanting to give things to us, great, amazing gifts, so that we, for our enjoyment, so that we can enjoy life. Well, to me, what that makes me think of, Cliff, is the whole concept of like, be, do, have. If you think, I will be happy when I have a $100,000 business or when I have a million dollar business, like, it's never going to happen that way. I was listening recently to uh, Brooke Castillo, who's someone that I started following not too long ago and, and really love a lot of the things that she says. And she's, I think she made like 25 million or some, you know, very large number. She was like, look, like I'm happy because I'm happy. It's not because of this money. Like this is way more money than I need to be like happy. And my confidence comes in knowing that, if that money all went away, like I knew how to make money. I just go figure out a different way to make it, you know? And again, from a spiritual perspective, like my confidence comes in my identity as a Christ follower. But a piece of that is definitely who he created me to be, the skills and the talents that he's given me access to that do enable me to create value in the world. And money is just a measure of value, right? Like it's just a tool. It used to be, animals or, you know, literal blocks of gold or talents. And now it's, it's not even like, is it even real? It's energy, right? It's like digital energy uh, in a, in a bank statement. Yeah. Ones and zeros. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's exactly right. And the funny thing is I want to go back to something you said that Brooke said, and, and I remember my old mindset because my, I used to have this mindset of scarcity Right. Yes. And that mindset of scarcity is like, oh, man. It, it, and, and I would hear people say, yeah, it, you, you would think that I'm happy because I have millions. But and, you know, I made twenty five million dollars or whatever the case may be. Or uh, but it, th- but that doesn't make me happy. I'm happy because I'm happy. And I remember my own mindset. And I know that there are some people who are listening to this <laughs> podcast like, yeah, if I had twenty five million dollars, I'd be happy, too. And, right. and, and, and <laughs> totally. it's, it's so easy to say that when you're not dealing with the medical bills that keep popping up and the living paycheck to paycheck and you have no idea what it feels. With $25 million, you don't know how embarrassing it is to walk into the gas station with a baggie full of pennies to pay Mm -hmm. for your gas. You have no, it's like, yeah, you talk to me about happiness when you have to deal with what I have to, and I used to think that as well. But But I can tell you that 
there, there's another scripture that I, I used to really struggle with. It says, be joyful always. In all circumstances, give mm-hmm. thanks. Uh, and, and you know, don't worry about anything. And that includes yeah. the medical expenses. That includes right. the car battery that just died on you. That includes the all the other things that just seemingly endlessly come your way. Chipping away at your happiness or your what you believe is chipping away at your ability to be happy. And and the one thing I can tell you, and, and I, I gosh, I think it was Paul. Like, Listen, I know what it's to have be in plenty and I know what it's been in to be in want. Yes. And in all things, I've learned how to be content. Mm-hmm. And content is a different word than happy. Um, and and so we could probably, and I don't think we need to go into the difference between joy and happiness, but one thing is, is one, one thing God does desire for us is to experience joy in our lives, no matter what the circumstances. Yeah. Like and that's, now, not waiting to feel like you have to hit XYZ target and then you can be happy. Anna, what, what do you say to somebody who is in the midst of of a financial drought that seemingly is unending. It's like Southern California, it never rains or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I say, hey, this past year, every time I've been in California, it's been raining. <laughs> so keep holding on to hope because the tides are going to turn. But but for those who who really do struggle, yeah. how 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 does one how does one attain happiness? How, how how do you do that when it's not about the money? Yeah. So what I would say is what you focus on expands and grows. And um, I learned that from one of, one of my mentors, James Wedmore. You know, where you put your intention and your attention, you will receive more of that. And I do think that's a spiritual principle. And, you know, you touched on this at the top of the episode. I think there's a lot, a lot of teachers and mentors teaching things that some people might say that's new age, that's woo woo. And when you push into them, it's actually their biblical principles. Like it's the law of sowing and reaping. And so what I would tell to someone in that like financial drought place is, how is it going to fix or improve the problem to worry about it? Like, cause worry, what does that do? It keeps you bound up in feeling horrible. And if you look into that formula that I know Brooke teaches, T Harv Ecker teaches it. I've heard you speak on it. When you think about how your beliefs will shape your thoughts, right? Your thoughts will shape your emotions. Your emotions will shape your actions and that will yield you to your results. So like choosing, because we all have control over our minds. That's like the one thing that we do have control over. And that's a spiritual principle. Take your thoughts captive. That is a very clear spiritual principle. Renew your mind. Okay, so you get to choose. You can look at your situation and say, I mean, the fact may be you don't have the money to pay your bills. You get to choose what you make that mean in your life. And you can make it mean something terrible or you can make it mean something excellent. You get to choose that. You can make that mean. And I've heard someone in particular talk about how like a like bottom dropout, terrible business crisis was the impetus for what started him down the path to major long lasting success, because he made that mean never again, am I going to be in this situation? I am taking a totally different action. I'm going to quit operating in this way. I'm going to start operating in this more helpful way. And, you know, that's, that's really where I would ask them to spend some time. Cause I can tell you, I'm sitting here, we're doing this interview. I've lived in this house for 10 years. And the second year that I lived in this house, it got to the point, Cliff, where I was looking around saying, like, is there anything left that could break? Is there <laughs> anything left? It was um, like $10,000 plus worth of plumbing work. It was a whole air conditioning unit, which I live in Mississippi. I mean, it was like a five grand air conditioning unit. Um, <laughs> the garage wouldn't lift up to let me actually release my car and drive to work. The motherboard of the oven broke. The dishwasher. I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing. 
And now looking back with the perspective that I have, I can't help but wonder if I actually brought some of those things into life by constantly focusing on what is going to be the next thing to happen bad. It's almost like, you know, and again, I'm certainly not God. (laughs) I feel, I feel very connected to God, but I also think that, you know, sometimes when we, um, we will face the same trial again and again and again until we finally learn how to defeat it. And so as long as I was going to freak out and just be stressed and worried, like that same trial was going to keep presenting itself, keep presenting itself, keep presenting itself until I finally learned from it and made a decision to operate at uh, from a more helpful place. Well, I, I love that. So, so what I remember you saying at the very initial start of that is that you would encourage people to shift what they're focused on. Yes. So one of the things that robs us from, from experiencing happiness and joy in our life is the fact that we, we can't experience that when we are focused on what we don't have, when we're focused on what is going wrong instead of what's going right. Uh, so it's focusing on what we don't have instead of what we do have, what we, what's going wrong instead of what's going right. When we focus on all those things or, and what could possibly go wrong yeah. <laughs> instead of what could possibly go right, when our focus is in a negative place, then associated with that focus is negative emotions, fear, Mm -hmm. anxiety, doubt, worry. And if you have those emotions, you can't simultaneously at the same time have joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. And the, and I love what you said. The fact is, is that worrying will not add a day to your life. It worrying does not necessarily produce results or resolutions Mm -hmm. to problems. Um, so it doesn't do anything valuable. It, it actually only brings about more harm than good. Uh, worry and doubt and anxiety can add a lot of stress. And cortisol can actually cause you to have a heart attack, anxiety Which attacks. Which will cost you more money. Exactly. I mean, if you are feeling stretched for money, it's like the worst thing you can do because you're just going to end up you know, literally worrying yourself sick and yeah. give yourself more bills. Congratulations. Congratulations, yes. So <laughs> the thing is, is that one of the things that I've learned is the ability to, in an instant, shift your emotional state. And there's a couple things you can do, but one of them is simply to shift your focus. What are you focused on? And so uh, instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, the air conditioner broke. Oh my gosh, this is gonna, this just broke. And that just broke last month. And wonder what's next. What could break next? Instead of focusing on that, it's like, man, how amazing is the home that I live in? The shelter mm-hmm. that protects me from the hail and the storms and the the unrelenting sun during the summer. I mean, what a gift it is mm-hmm. to be able to have the privilege to own the home that I have or whatever it is. It's, it's mm-hmm. what can you be thankful for? And and if you think about this, it, everyone listening to our voice, everyone has a seemingly unlimited number of things. If you choose to do so and look and see them, see the thing is, is it's easy to look for all the red when you know that you're, that's all you're looking for. Yeah. But the blue things, the things to be thankful for, guess what? If you start looking for them, they're there. Like for example, I have this one saying and I, and I try to make sure that I say it as much as possible when people ask me because I will only say this when it's true. So Sarah, mm-hmm. ask me how my day is. Cliff, how are you? Cliff, how's it going? I've never been better. It gets better every single day. Awesome. I have people who ask me, Cliff, oh, come on, seriously? And they answer, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I have never been better than I am today. Mm-hmm. And it gets better every single day. And here's why I can tell you that with, with full confidence. Because you know what? Number one, I'm, when I, th- at this morning when my alarm went off, I was not six feet underground. Yes. You know, I, I, I woke up today. That is a benefit. I have yeah. breath. I have air in my lungs. I have a beating heart. I, I actually have the gift of the use of all four of my limbs. Yeah. This yeah. What an incredible gift it is. All of my fingers work. Do you know how many people don't have fingers? And yeah. I have the gift of 10 of them. 
Wow. And or I, I guess love eight that and you're two saying thumbs. this. And and I want to jump in here because I'm just wondering if there's some people listening who are like, well, this is well and good to say on a podcast, but do like, does he really wake up and think about this? I will tell you this morning when I woke up, I have a prayer practice that I go through before I ever get out of bed. And I always list out five gratitudes. Again, you know, I'm listing it verbally, like in my mind. I have a verse that I say, I set an intention for the day. I decide where I'd like support. I pray for the support. And then I resolve to see evidence that I am supported in reaching that goal that I've asked for support with. My immediate thought today was like, God, I am so grateful. I'm still alive today. Like I still am breathing and I have awesome things to do. Thank you for letting me live one more day and giving me the opportunity to work out this purpose. And like that legit was the thought and the conversation that I had with God before getting out of bed. So I just want people to really hear that. I want to back you up on that, that when you start tapping into this, like those are the kind of thoughts that you wake up focused on. And I certainly was not thinking that way, you know, when I was committed to finding the worst and everything, you know, and committed to just be like, oh, great. I got a litigation today. You know, I guess I'll throw on a suit that's too tight and heels that are too high and shuffle my way to the courthouse, you know, and, and, but that wasn't the fault of the job. That was my responsibility. And I was not um, taking charge of my mind and really focusing on the gift that I had yeah. to get up, that I owned a suit, that I owned those heels, that I got the privilege of of practicing and going and, and speaking that I had a voice to speak with. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And, you know, and, and, and I know that there are, oh, gosh, I just learned this. I have a friend of mine. He says, Cliff, you know, I hate to say this, but I'm a contrarian. So I always look, <laughs> I always look to poke holes in people's theories and stuff like that. And I know he wouldn't do it on this matter. At least I don't think he would. But, <laughs> but there are some people, I just know it's like, oh, Cliff, you know, just like the, you know, oh, sure. If you had $25 million, I guess I could say, well, it's not because I have this that I'm happy. I just choose. To be. So there's some people out there. They're like, well, what about those people that don't, that struggled to actually have breath in their lungs? What about their lungs aren't? work they're waiting for a lung transplant what cliff what about those people who don't have fingers what are the what about what about a man who has no arms no legs and was born that way by the way Mm -hmm. there is such a man his name is nick voyacic all right he's like one of the most positive people you'll ever run across like one of the most grateful people and he's written five new york times (laughs) best-selling books and guess what not ghost written he typed them himself wow (laughs) (laughs) Ah, anyway so so the thing is is that there are people who have who have life conditions and circumstances that seemingly are so much greater than anything we've ever faced up to this point and we've and and granted i i'm i know people in my community who who have been diagnosed with terminal illness and stuff like that. And yet I'm reading a book right now, actually almost finished with it called The Last Lecture. Have you heard about The Last Lecture by Randy Pausch? I haven't. Do okay. you tell? So The Last Lecture is Randy Pausch is his name. And this is back in 2007. He was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He had actually already had cancer, fought it, completely given a clean bill of health, but he had studied this stuff enough to know what, when he went in for a routine thing like a year later, uh, he, he saw the blood results and he says, it's over. He told his wife, it, 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 it's over. Uh, the reality is that his liver had 12 tumors in it and a uh, doctor says you have three to six months to live. Now, here's the thing. He has a, a young wife and they have two kids who are age six and under. And so Here's a man who, trust me, he and he knows he studied. He's a he was a professor at Car- Carnegie Mellon University, and uh, he did not have what you would think of as a typical response to this diagnosis. Now the thing is, is he wasn't he wasn't like a, it wasn't cognitive dissonance or anything like that. He mm-hmm. really understood, and sure. And but by the way, there's not a human on this earth that doesn't get some sort of news like that and have some down days. All right. Sure. You, yeah. We all experience some anxiety, fear, worry, and doubt. Anna, I, I don't wake up every morning jumping out of bed saying, oh my gosh, what a gift today is. There are, there are still times 
that for whatever reason, I can wake up in a funk. And I'm like, and it takes me a little, but the thing is, is I've gotten to the place where usually I can shake that within, at most, it's usually hours these mm-hmm. days, it, and it used to take me weeks to shake myself out of yeah. a funk. You know, you know what you need to do. You can recognize it when you do wake up, like with those kind of feelings, and you know what you need to do to shift it. So, Randy Pouch, obviously, or, uh, gosh, hold on. Now that I've said his name so many different ways, I've got to actually <laughs> see if I can actually tell you. Yeah, Pouch. That's right, Randy Pouch. P A U S C H. Anyway, so obviously he had his emotional ups and downs, but his overall demeanor throughout his final months on this earth are, what can I do to live life fully and embrace the joy and gift of each moment I have with my wife and my kids? And one of the things that he had, the, his biggest dilemma was, you know, he was a lecturer at Carnegie mm-hmm. Mellon, he loved his students and stuff like that, and he was invited to speak at this at this uh, lecture series, and it would be his quote unquote last lecture. And the mm-hmm. thing is, is just I mean, it's within that you know time frame. It's like the, his wife is like, it's my birthday, and you'd have to fly back home. Oh, by the way, he flew his he he moved his family uh, back uh, to where his wife was from so that she could be. Uh, surrounded by the support of her family when he had passed. I mean, so much of this story. And but the thing is, he'd have to fly back out for this lecture. And she goes, "I don't want to. I don't want to lose any time with you." Yeah. And his thing was, it's like, listen, here's here's what I know. Very very few kid or very few adults today, including myself, I don't remember hardly any of my life with my parents, maybe a a vague memory, but I don't remember very much of my life with my mom or my dad from age six or under. And Mm -hmm. so there's really not a lot that I'm going to be able to do to communicate to my kids some of the life lessons that I would love to teach them. But wow, what if I could put into a lecture series that's going to be video recorded that could be put on a DVD so that one day when my kids want to find out who was my dad, what did he believe, how did, you know, what was his uh, philosophy of life, and all of that stuff, he says, this is my opportunity for me to leave a legacy for my kids. And that's what he, he put a ton of time, effort, and energy into his last lecture, which, by the way, is titled, Really Achieving Your Childhood Dreams. And it is a powerful talk. You can, by the way, just look up last lecture Randy, that phrase in YouTube. You can watch the the version. And there's a couple different versions. Look for the one that's just like one, right around one hour because the it's an entire series. But anyway, the it watch his talk. It was incredible and inspiring. And the guy is full of life and vigor. In this talk, and and mm-hmm. literally, and he died, you know, not too long after that. But wow. it is that's that's what I'm saying. This man, he says, and I'm I'm actually listening to the audio book of mm-hmm. a book that was written about all of this as well, and it's just incredible. And he says, listen, the one thing I'm focused on is I want to focus on the art of living life to the fullest. This isn't a book. This is not a lecture about dying. That's what, and he addressed that. He's like, listen, I'm going to address the elephant in the room right here at the front. Where, you know, I'm going to die. Here's pictures of my tuner, tumors. Okay, that's out of the way. Let's talk about the importance of achieve, really achieving your childhood dreams and how important it is that you go after your childhood dreams. And not only that, but what's even more important is enabling others to live out their childhood dreams. How yeah, powerful wow. is that? so good and it's it's a it's a um a long game perspective you know versus a short-term perspective so if it yeah and and that's the thing it's like you it's that's kind of like the thing it's it's almost though is when we wake up we wake up with 25 million dollars right we have all of our arms and legs as far as we know we don't currently have 12 tumors in our liver um, and we don't have a terminal illness and diagnosis that we're going to die in three to six months. So in a way, we wake up every morning with $25 million in our yeah. account. You know, yeah. it, it, it's kind of like we feel it. And, and yet, and here's a man who, ha- who does not wake up with what we have. 
Mm-hmm. And this is the example. And, and, and so that's why I love people like Randy Posh, or Posh. And I love people like Nick Vujicic. They inspire me. They motivate me. And here's what I will tell you. It, the, one of the greatest needs that we have is this need to contribute to others in a powerful way. Yes. And what I love about this is no matter how dire your circumstances are, no matter how bad you have it, if you can shift to a mindset of gratitude and you can actually embrace joy and happiness in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, you'll have more a more profound and positive impact on the lives of everyone around you than if you had $25 million in your account and said how happy you were. Yeah, totally. 100% agree with that. Sarah, tell us a little bit about you. I'm doing my interview a little bit backwards. Uh, wh- how did you and I come to meet one another? And Which I know the answer to that question. We met through Dan Miller's community and, and you're mm-hmm. doing some stuff online. But 10 years ago, before you did anything with an online brand, you mentioned being an attorney. Tell me a little bit yeah. about that world. How did you get into that? And, and then when did you transition and why? Yeah, so I... I was graduate about 10 years ago. I came out of law school in 2009. I actually worked for a few years before I went back to law school, came out at, you know, this is all perspective too, right? Like one of the more challenging times to come out um, right after the economic downturn. But I had decided I wanted to be a lawyer when I saw Claire Huxtable on the Cosby show as a lawyer, because I just thought she looked like she had a great life. She was a powerful woman. She had a great family. Little did I know things aren't always like they are on TV. Um, But, you know, I was raised in, I'd say, um, a middle-class household, you know, middle to upper middle, but both my parents worked. They worked very hard to give me opportunities. Um, You know, kind of if if this gives you a clue for their financial status, they always said, work as hard as you can. And, you know, wherever you get into school, um, you can go like wherever you get into college, like school is your job right now, do your part. And so also based on the, the Cosby show, I wanted to go to Princeton. That was my dream. And I, I busted it. I mean, I treated school like a job. I graduated with 104 average because I took all these AP classes. So it was like, <laughs> it was like over. I was a valedictorian and, um, and I got into Princeton and then my parents looked at the budget and they were like, yeah, like we don't have the money. Even as an only child, you know, they literally had spent everything that they could just to get me that private school education that really got me to the level where I could get into Princeton. So um, that's just a side note on the story. And it's one reason why I am now really passionate about helping people build wealth and helping people like unashamedly make money. Because I do remember how that felt you know, as a, still a child, I mean, a 17 year old, but still a child who had kind of been given this hope and hope and hope and opportunity. And you can do it. If you can, if you can get in, you can go. And then the reality, oh, but we don't have the money. And therefore, you know, that's actually not an option for you. And that's not the whole story. Like there was, you know, they, we could take out loans, but I just didn't, I didn't want to do that you know, to my family. And I didn't want to do that for myself either, like a hundred and whatever thousand dollars of loans. Um, and so that's, that's a piece of the story, but I always knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. And the main reason Cliff was that I wanted to, um, I went about, I went about work all backwards. I wanted to be able to sustain a similar kind of lifestyle that I saw my parents having. I wanted to be comfortable now, at the same time that I had, I had these brains that I felt like, well, God's given me the intelligence to be able to be a lawyer or a doctor. My mom was like, why don't you want to be a doctor? Like, <laughs> you make so much money. I was like, I do not want to be a doctor. I don't want to deal with blood, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the lawyer thing. I can do the lawyer thing. I can talk. And, um, and I really did ultimately choose that path because I thought it fit enough with what I wanted to do and I could be stable. And, um, I also loved singing and writing and acting and that's where really my passions were with more of the creative side, but I let all the fear of, ah, if I try to go be an actress or if I try to go, you know, I trained classical like opera, if I try to go do that, 
I might have to make like 25 grand a year and like share an apartment. You know, that's like the horror of horrors of an only child. I might have to share my space. (laughs) And so, um, so there were some good reasons that I went to law school and there were also some, um, some reasons that I can now see, huh, no wonder that career didn't really take the path that I wanted it to take because I didn't choose it for all the, what I would say, right reasons. Now, that being said, I believe that everyone's path is perfect. Like I believe that everything happened exactly perfectly for me as it needed to, to make me, you know, to, to give, to put me where I am today, where, where I, I love being, I'm like so happy, happy, happy with my life. And, um, and so I don't like look back on that with regret or like bitterness or anything like that. Um, but I could tell Cliff very quickly that the law was not what I thought it was going to be. I love people. I love talking with people, interacting with people. And I, didn't really realize it when I got the job, but learned very quickly. They hired me as a researcher writer. So, you know, I was a, I was a licensed attorney, but I was the one that they knew could do all the research and write really persuasively and put all the like, you know, dozens and dozens of page complicated briefs together. And so that was what I was given because I was really good at it. But what it involved was me sitting in an office by myself for 12, 13 hours a day. And like then going home, you know, to my house by myself with my cat and saying, hey, Lancelot, okay, have a good night. And then doing it all over again. And I just felt like I was dying inside. And, um, and I had heard Dan Miller on Dave Ramsey's show, which yep. I used to listen to obsessively when I was in law school. And I was literally living on $1,000 a month. So I don't know why I was like so concerned about money because I didn't really have much. I was like, this $1,000, I'm going to stretch it out. And, um, and so when I got about five years into practice, I, I was like this, I can't continue. Like I was, I was actually going backwards in my earnings because, you know, the economy, everything hits in Mississippi, like a couple years later than it hits nationally. So people actually got let go from my first law job. They said, you know, we love having you here, but we had a downturn in business. We have to let a few people go. We'll give you a month's severance. You know, that was scary. I had like money that I owed on credit cards and all of a sudden, like, no job, no source of income, no spouse, no, you know, like no, (laughs) no nothing. Um, but God's always been faithful to provide. And, um, I got five years into practice and I just thought, you know what? Like I have to make a change. This isn't going to get handed to me. Like there's no, you know, there's no person coming to rescue me or save me. You know, there's no, and I think this may resonate with some of your female listeners. You know, there can be in women always that little like, well, maybe I'll get married and somebody will help provide for me, <laughs> you know, but at the age of, uh, let's see, I was 34, 34, when I hired my first business coach, I was like, you know what? It hasn't happened yet. Like, that's not a good plan. You know, I can't be looking, hoping that I'll just struggle through until i finally get married and maybe I happen to marry someone who can take care of me a little bit. (laughs) I was like, that's a terrible plan. I need to take charge of this. I need to take responsibility for this and know that if I don't like where I am, I am the one who has agency and power to change that. And I can't be mad that my salary is lower now than it was when I started out my first year because I'm the one who agreed to take the salary. And I'm the one who stayed when they cut the salary, you know, when they cut back, I'm the one who didn't say, yeah, that's not going to work for me and go find another job. I'm the one who said, okay, you know, so I had to just make that shift. And uh, I had heard about coaching. I thought it sounded like really, really interesting. And when I hired my first coach, I really didn't expect to start my own business at all. I thought that I was hiring a coach who was going to help me understand what skills I could bring to the table and find another job working for like another company that would just maybe be a better fit for me. But as I talked with this mentor and, you know, she brought up, well, you could do your own thing. I was just like, oh, that is that really possible? And then, you know, started looking for evidence, like you, your analogy of like looking for the red versus looking for the blue. Once I started looking for it, I was like, whoa, like actually, like there are a lot of people doing their own thing. Yeah. 
And and that's and that's of when I found you, you because you uh, started to pursue that path. Uh, Dan Miller, yeah, you got connected with his community quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You started invested in relationships there. Yeah. Uh, so started to see you pop up in social media mentions from Dan, and and then of course we've met face to face at several events and yeah. and stuff like that. So today you are coaching. So so tell yeah. us real quickly how and what who who is your exact ideal coaching client, and and in what ways are you finding that you're serving them at the highest level today? Yeah. So my ideal client is um, someone who is feels called to a big vision and they may not even be 100% clear like what that is, but they feel something that like they know they're meant for something more than they're currently experiencing. They know they can sense all this untapped potential and they are motivated and driven and they are like no excuses. They embrace the motto 100% personal responsibility 100% of the time. They are willing to work and they're ultimately someone who wants to take their skills and talents and move them online and have some sort of service-based online business, ultimately with a range of offerings at different price points so that they can have one message, but serve their clients, meet their clients where they're at. So that's what I teach is an Ascension model of, you know, all, all kinds of offerings from free to high, you know, one-on-one premium and every layer in between. That's awesome. And I, I happen to know many people who have worked with you and it is awesome to hear all the great praise of the experience that they've had with you and not only just the experience they've had with you, but the results they've got, they've received in their life as a result of the coaching, which, by the way, is why you're actually going to be speaking at Free the Dream 2019. <laughs> so you're an amazing person, Sarah, or Anna. Why do, what's up with, because like when I first <laughs> met you, it was Sarah, but it's you, it's always been Sarah Anna Powers, but there is always Sarah. And then it's like, all, like all the email correspondence came out, Anna. So t- what's the deal there? I answer to anything nice. And it's so funny that you bring this up because Dan is actually the first person who was like, you know, you're going to confuse people. So here's, here's the skinny, uh, like most good Southern girls, I have a double name, Sarah Anna. Okay. So I was called the double name until I was about five years old. And then my parents took pity on me because on every single paper I was having to write Sarah Anna powers. They're like, that's too long for her. We're going to cut her some slack. And they called, started calling me Anna and why they chose Anna instead of Sarah. I do not know. When I started my business, I tried to get AnnaPowers.com taken taken, not available to be sold to me at a reasonable rate, especially not in the very beginning of the business when I was just like bleeding money. And so I said, you know what? I used to go by Sarah Anna when I was little, like, let me just do Sarah Anna powers. And who knew it was going to create all this confusion, (laughs) but I go, my friends and family call me Anna. And that's why the emails that we exchange now, I'm Anna. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So, and one of the things I just want to make clear, because I did this last year. Last year, I introduced all of the Free the Dream 2018 folks. And and I, I always ask people, I say, hey, if you haven't purchased your ticket to Free the Dream yet, please let me know why. Seriously, I want to know. And one person's like, well, I've listened to all the interviews with every one of your speakers, so I don't need to go to your event. Oh so, my goodness. <laughs> I want to make sure, because this is, this is one of the qualifications. If you're a speaker at Free the Dream and you come onto the podcast, you are not giving your talk during our thing. Uh, This is an opportunity for you guys to get to understand the caliper of speakers that are coming to Free the Dream. Anna is definitely one of them. And I would love for you to just give an overview for those who will be coming to Franklin, Tennessee, September 13th through the 15th, which by the way, you can get your tickets at freethedreamconference.com right now. Anyway, if if, when they come, not if, when they come this September... What will you be speaking on? Yes. So I am talking about sales and service and shifting or asking you to consider shifting your thoughts around wealth and making money. And I'll really be addressing that from a spiritual perspective. I am a Jesus follower and I'm very you know clear and open about that. So of course I can really only speak from my frame of reference, but it's also an opportunity. It's a talk that, um, 
that also respects and honors viewpoints that may not be the same as mine. And it's really just an opportunity for all of us who are collectively gathered there to take a look at our thoughts about money and wealth and value and service and sales and take a reflect on whether the way we're thinking about those things is the most helpful way uh, for how we show up in the world. Yeah. Now, the thing is, is obviously a, a good portion of those who come to Free the Dream, they are pursuing something related to their own business pursuits, either something on the side or maybe even something that they can do full time if they're not already doing full time and they want to be more successful. They have even bigger dreams. But here's the thing. There's let's just say 30% of those who come to Free the Dream, they have no business aspirations whatsoever. Uh, might be stay-at-home moms, might be, you know, some, you know, there are going to be young adults, you know, these late teen, early adults who are heading off to college uh, after yeah. graduating high school. What value do you think that those people are going to get from your talk? They are going to start to see all the value that they're giving in the world. They're going to start to recognize that and really fully own it. And like, like you mentioned the word, you know, joyfully, like joyfully own and accept everything that they're bringing into the world and start being open to receiving the opportunities and the value back for what they're putting out into the world. And that 100% applies to moms who are in the home who are showing up every day, like tirelessly, like really, I, I'm not a mom yet, but <laughs> my friends who are, that's like got to be the hardest job ever. You know, students who are just starting out, like to get that perspective on understanding so much that you have to offer, what you have to offer in the world. And the fact that what you have is really unique and different than what anybody else has and taking ownership of that. That's that's part of the value. It's just a little smidgen of the value yeah, they're going to get. I love that because the, I can tell you right now as a coach and li uh, life coach and mentor myself, doesn't matter how successful people are, the number the number one, actually the number one and two fears, I'm not worthy and I'm mm -hmm. not qualified. That That's what, the, those are the two biggest things most people struggle with. And, and I'm talking to the most, I'm talking about people like, I feel a little uh, nervous about me mentoring so-and-so because of how much they've achieved. And, they, and, they're, and they're like, Cliff, but I just, I'm so unworthy. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you, oh my gosh, do you know how much value you bring to the table through your experience? You're gonna get all of that from Anna's talk as well. And I can't wait to, to have, I can't, wait to sit there. I want to be that guy who has a conference and I can't wait to sit there and take notes from your talk. I'm so excited. Again, I feel so blessed and privileged to be a part of the event. The other speakers you've lined up, I can't wait to hear their talks and your talks and Stephanie and just, I'll be sitting there taking notes. I'll be at the conference the whole time, you know, connecting with people, getting to know everyone who's in attendance. Cause I think that that's the magic of conferences. And you mentioned like events. I, by the end of this year, will have been to or spoken at or hosted because I host my own events, 18. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that is how powerful I think they are. Yes. And, and, you know, and it takes energy, right? And, oh, and it does. Get to events. And, you know, I, I have a multi six figure business and, um, and we've already crossed that, you know, the first six months of the year. So like we have a lot of things going on and I still feel that it's that important for me to be physically present with people yeah. because there's something magical that happens when you can connect, you know, human to human in the same space. Like virtual is amazing. It's awesome that we can be sitting on this interview, like hearing each other and seeing each other. There's no substitute for getting in the room with people. Hands down. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, the funny thing is, is I'm actually speaking at, there's, there's only, there's less than 10 weeks to free the dream conference as you and I are recording this. This will probably go out in a week or so from now, but still within 10 weeks, I'm hosting free the dream. Conference. I have three speaking engagements before then. <laughs> wow. And one of them, I think we're going to be at together. Yeah. Is that Giovanna's or um, Ray's? No, it's Ray's. Yeah. Yes. We're going to be at Ray's event together. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's fun, it, but you're right. This, I mean, th there's nothing that could keep me from going to these events because 
you're, I mean, I, I trust me, I'm all about the virtual relationships and the, the gosh, the, the way that you and I are able to just sit here and see each other's smiling faces because we're actually <laughs> yeah. doing video on Skype because we have amazing internet connections these days, which is incredible, but it's nothing. It's, there's nothing that can replace what happens when, when people are in the physical presence of one another. And, yes. and I, yeah, I'm looking forward. It's Anna, thank you so much for allowing me to introduce you to my community. And I just wanted to have a conversation with you just so people can just get a feel and a sense of how you show up in this world. And uh, it's, it's what makes it so exciting for me because I know you so well now. Uh, I'm excited to extend and share the stage of Free the Dream so that you can use your gifts, your talents, your message to impact and influence the lives of those who are going to be in Franklin, Tennessee, September 13th through the 15th. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a total privilege to be on the podcast. I cannot wait to meet everyone in person at the event. And I really hope that, um, that this has influenced some people who were maybe like, maybe I should go, maybe I shouldn't, you know, but to really take this opportunity to connect in person and give themselves that real opportunity to explore their vision and their dreams and their desires and to make that a priority. Well, there you go, my friends. I hope that gives you just a clue as to the awesome person that is Sarah Anna Powers. And I am super delighted that she will be on the stage this September 13th through the 15th at the Free the Dream Conference. And her talk is going to absolutely free you up from some limiting beliefs around wealth and going after the financial life of your dreams. My friends, come to Franklin, Tennessee, hear Sarah give a powerful message that, quite frankly, we didn't get into this in our conversation. I happen to know that she's invested heavily into the production of the talk that she's giving at the event this year. I can't wait to sit in the crowd and take my own notes based upon what Anna is going to share at this event. It's going to be incredible. I hope to see you there. Head over to freethedreamconference.com. Don't pass up this opportunity to spend an entire weekend truly digging in deep, discovering, embracing, and making decisions about actions that will cause you to fully live the life of your dreams. FreeTheDreamConference.com. Mindset and demand.